0: welcome to episode number 248 of on the corner the official pitchless.com podcast I'm your host Alex fast joined as always by the Miss frizzle tastic uh Nick Pollock Nick how you doing today
1: what is happening yes uh, I'm going to be quoting Miss Frizzle today oh yeah Very get ready about it yes it's, it's that that some, kind of podcast
0: something tells me who's gonna have a timestamp for that sucker <laughs> <laughs> Nick quotes Miss Frizzle <laughs> Well, yeah, what are we doing today, Fast? Well, we have actually a really special podcast that we didn't know that we were going to do until a little bit earlier today. But Nick came up with the idea. I think it's a really good one. We're going to talk about 10 draft strategies, really, that we have going into drafts, right? So it's draft season right now. So we figured, why don't we give some insight as to how we approach our drafts? We're certainly in enough of them. (laughs) Um, So uh, why don't we go ahead and we're going to talk about those things today. And we're pretty excited. We 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 got a nice little list of 10 things here.
1: Yeah, uh, we have we had our labor draft, for example, uh, last Thursday, uh, which was very stressful.
0: Well, we broke about, uh, we eight, of we broke about yes. eight of these Something ten rules. We broke about eight of these about those.
1: No, that was that was a lot of fun, and I uh, I'm going through multiple right now too. Obviously, uh, TGFBI, um, there's Raz Slam going on too, and then there's also this uh, Guillotine League that I'm in. It's an eighteen teamer where a team gets eliminated every single week of the season. Mm. This is part of the Wacky Leagues. Um, If you want to join those, well, guess what? You have to get PL Plus to do so and join our wonderful community. Um, You should do that. PitcherList.com slash plus. You get to hang out with our amazing Discord. You support this podcast and everything we do at PitcherList. And you get an ad-free website. You get article notifications as Mm. well, which is really cool. Uh, There's a lot of amazing stuff. Just go to PitcherList.com slash plus. And we hope to see you Inside the discord soon, there's
0: your plug. Fast wasn't it well done? It was really well done. I just Thank wanted you. to say, we have a bunch of people who are like experts at particular things, right? So, obviously, mm. we have our pitching expert, who is you, we have a few hitting experts like you know, Scott Chu, Dave Sherman, uh, um, right. the all around expert, Metallar, of course. List. Yes, Metzeler. Um, But then we have Miles Nelson, who's truly just a guru at coming up with leagues. <laughs> and like, because truly the guillotine league is such a brilliant sort of Call of Duty-esque kind of league. Uh, and I just think it's absolutely brilliant. Before we get into, you know, this is a little off the cuff, but before we get into uh, uh, the top 10 draft strategy thing, yes. who are some guys this spring training so far that have that have stuck out to you we're gonna have a podcast a little bit later about this you also have a list coming out soon uh, or an article coming out soon but like i'm like today uh yusei kikuchi sitting 96 Ooh, what yeah that's that's something else that's really something yusei kikuchi yeah. sitting 96 yeah. that is severe and oh let me let me let me do one big umbrella caveat here mm-hmm. okay none of this means anything these are all things to just keep an eye on just to have in the back of your mind while you're while you're going through your draft season we don't know you know it's the first start for a lot of guys uh but yeah you say Kikuchi 96 anything popping out to you so uh, one
1: thing i really want to hamper on is when it comes to like watching in spring training, uh, there is a general rule that I followed that I don't think I've mentioned on this podcast yet. It's for veterans, give them time. Mm-hmm. They know the system. They know what they need to do. They know what they need to prepare, uh, how they need to prepare themselves for opening day. So their first start, mm, it's probably going to be a little bit lower velocity. they could be working on some more things, a little bit of tinkering, getting you know the old soup bone cooking, right? Now for younger guys... What I see earlier on in spring training generally sticks because those guys are the ones ready to make an impact, ready to showcase their ability, maybe earn a rotation spot. They need to redefine their season and that's going to start from day one. They're not going to have the comfort of like a Garrett Cole or so or a Zach Greinke that are just warming it up and they're going to get there. So we talk a lot about like, how do we interpret spring training? That's something to keep in mind is the younger guys, they generally don't shift. So... I see, like, Garrett Richards struggling with his command still. I'm like, oh, I'm a little more worried about that. Um, I see Madison Bumgarner throwing 91 again, and I'm like, okay, this is great. I mean, I thought mm-hmm. it was going to take longer for him maybe to get up to that velocity. And right away, we, we saw that, you know, instead of the 88, 89 that we saw from Bumgarner last season, maybe even 87 at times. So it was kind of weird. He's already ninety ninety one. That's exciting. That's, mm-hmm. I, I've, I'm considering Bumgarner as a sleeper all of a sudden because of this, especially in a year of innings being super, super weird. Um, I saw Domingo Herman right away look fantastic. Uh, Jordan Montgomery looking pretty good with his secondary stuff, so There are a lot of takeaways you can have early on. Obviously, there's a lot more spring training to go uh, over three weeks of it. And this stuff will change a little as we go on. But
0: there are definitely some things um, that we're all whispering about. Anything else that you've seen? Yeah, you know, uh, I think you put it in a really good way, right? There are guys who are still fighting for jobs. So those are the ones that I think are really important. Um, Right before we came on, I got to watch one inning of David Price, and that was really exciting just to see the general shape and not really worried about the shape of his pitches. He was looking pretty good Um, uh, talking about some of the younger guys. Adbert Azalea did not look great. He still looked like the dude who's going to struggle with his command. And, you know, I I know he's been kind of hyped this offseason because we we, we know the stuff is there, right? The stuff is really there. And once again, I'm not looking at that start and saying... Uh, Okay, there's no way I'm drafting him in any leagues, even the deepest of NL only shallow leagues. That's not true. I'm just saying he was a guy we were worrying about his command. He had his first outing. His command didn't look great. Let's see what he looks like moving forward. But it wasn't really uh, the most encouraging thing. Also, Brandon Woodruff went today and not ideal. Uh, Once again, I don't really doesn't mean I'm moving him down draft boards or anything, but you know, he got smoked by a Justin <laughs> Upton home run. There was an Anthony Rendon one that you could say was a little bit wind assisted to right field, but I think that one that Justin Upton one landed in the Pacific. I mean, that thing was smoked. Um, so yeah, those, those are also like John means man sitting 92 not don't love right. It. Yeah, he was well, I mean, he touched he touched
1: like 94 in that start, but I, I think in the first one he was a little bit harder, but I think you're right. Uh, I'm not out. Like, I don't feel that John Mean's velocity is gone or anything like that. No, um, I don't think like the the hike we saw last year is gone because I think the first I was 93, 95. Um, uh, I'm not sure. Check. Yeah, it, it's. Uh, I'm not. I'm not totally convinced that he's a 92 guy yet. Um, his his changeup and his his curveball were great. Lots of really well spotted fastballs. There's one that um um was it Brian Hayes pulled down the line. Uh, for a double that was actually a really good fastball that Hayes just was able to jump out in front of. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, it's, it's kind of funny. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I hear wind assisted, and I feel like that's what a wonderful insult that is. Wind. <laughs> yeah, as in like Rondon at a home run. It's like, oh, wind assisted, kind of like how Kobe Bryant's a soft you know yeah it's just yeah like, yeah, oh, yeah man
0: it's very nice it it's very poetic uh <laughs> you know it's funny too like this this is for really deep leagues too but i feel mm-hmm. i i finally we had this 14 hour drive down to florida and uh Kristen was not gonna let me listen to baseball the entire way but i got to listen to the orioles game and got to listen to hunter harvey uh i i still am not convinced that that man is going to be our closer come come opening who is the, day who
1: was the alternate again
0: tanner scott that's Man, who nice. I think is a nice... If you're in a deeper league or if you are going to punt saves, that battle... Because uh, the Orioles, they're not going to be good, but they're still going to get a good amount of saves. And sure. Tanner Scott might be the guy to do it. So that was another guy that I was thinking to I don't know.
1: I don't trust people with two first names. That's why I was on them. Both Hunter Harvey and Tanner Scott. Yeah, so. that is a
0: weird... That is kind of a weird thing <laughs> that they have going on. Oh, also, yeah, Matthew Boyd changing his release point is, is mm. very interesting. It could lead to uh, theoretically maybe him finding another tick of velocity if he can start sitting 93 94 again like we were kind of hinting at last year that would be interesting curious to see what it does for his slider as well but yeah exactly. a lot of people are saying it could could up that velo even a tick would be interesting and of course we talked about
1: Aaron Savali the uh, the arm circle changes we saw in full force mm-hmm. uh he was mentioning his four seamer being uh getting more ride than last year use his words,
0: uh, which we're all very excited about as a new split change as well. Yes. Oh, exciting stuff with Aaron Savali. With Savali you keep you keep bringing up all the hits. Josh Lindblom, he's talked all offseason about increasing the efficiency on his four-seamer. Had two overlays yesterday of what that meant for his curveball and for his splitter. Just another guy that it's like, okay, he talked about doing something in the offseason, and what is he's also going to be guys going to get a lot of innings. He's going to get a lot of innings for that Milwaukee team. Obviously, you need to check that command. The command is the one thing that that I'm still a little bit right about with him. There sure. is still a floor when it comes to Josh Lind, Lindblom, for sure. But that's another really exciting thing to keep track of, the spring training.
1: Yeah, like with Lindblom, it was like a 90 mile per hour fastball, and without the edges in his favor, uh, Lindblom will get hurt. Uh, mm-hmm. So that is, that is something I'm still worried about. I am actually curious. I don't know if you remember where you had Lindblom in your top 100. I had Lindblom
0: as, I actually pulled it up, number 91. Okay. All right. Are you changing that? Um, Let me look around. Who's around him? Yeah, I would probably bump him up a little bit. Yeah, like I would bump him up probably to the mid '80s. Like Michael Kopech is there, and he's probably starting the year out of the bullpen. Right. And I don't know how many year, how many innings he's going to get. I had like AJ Puck ahead of him, um, Mackenzie Gore. So there's that tier of like young, exciting arms. I think I would probably put him probably behind like uh, Davies, Hap. Uh, those kind of guys gonna get you some innings could be serviceable so probably sure. low to mid 80s is where i'm thinking right yeah now. once again it uh, happens is,
1: happens is just getting ignored a bit i don't know yeah uh, we'll have an, a podcast dedicated to our favorite sleepers and we'll have one dedicated to just our favorite busts so yes uh, definitely uh stay tuned for that i'll have articles of this on the site as well and i'll also have an article about exactly what we're talking
0: about today so uh, before we get to that really quickly that reminds me yes sorry to cut you off i didn't know if you no. were queuing me or if that was... I was queuing you oh great i knocked that out of the park then yeah Oof, there was wonderful. one there was <laughs> one big piece of um uh pitching free agency news one that you fortuitously called mm. and i'm curious to know now that you have seen that jake odorese has landed in houston where would you theoretically put him in your top 100 i kind of the same
1: spot i mean it's more about the other guys like i think i'm moving drew smiley underneath him and probably above dustin may the news about david price might not starting makes me more interested in tony gonsolin um and i find myself favoring zach davies over mitch keller uh so i might put like yeah i have jake arteries at 68 assuming he was going to sign somewhere Mm -hmm. the fact that it's houston doesn't really change a whole lot um, I will mention that maybe Dusty Baker does let him go longer than the Twins used to, uh, and, but at the same time, he also had, doesn't have a great track record for health. So, uh, yeah, mid-60s still, past the uh, 12-teamer injury tier of Sale, Syndergaard, uh, and Severino.
0: Okay. Very, very interesting. Yeah, I yeah. think that I think that makes that makes sense. It could be I'm 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 excited to see when he makes his first spring training start. We are we right. knew Where he was is, working he at, out. Right. Yeah, what's 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 he doing? Uh but that is an exciting yeah. ad, especially for innings. I mean one year, so they're probably gonna let him throw. Um yes. and then uh wins because it still is a good team. Still is a good yeah. team down in Houston. And
1: he could be going longer than he used to as well. So we'll see we'll see what happens there. Just if you're looking at Jacob Rizzi be like, hey, I need to see ninety-four or so with four seamers at the top of the zone constantly, right? That That's it. Don't care about the secondary stuff. Just do that, and you should be good. But we're going to talk about our uh, our draft tips mm-hmm. today. And uh, if you enjoy these draft tips, well, you should leave us a review on our podcast. We have two feeds. We have the On the Corner feed. So if you're listening to this on the major uh, Pitchless podcast, and you're like, oh, all I want is the On the Corner one, just separate from it. Well, you can do that now. We have our own on the corner fee. You might even notice the new artwork that we have that Justin Paradis made, which is Lovely. amazing. Lovely. It's so cool. <laughs> I want to frame it. I'm going to put it in this room, I promise. Um the uh, and so yeah, leave us a review, all that kind of stuff. Um, and to get PL plus. I'm gonna stop plugging things. We're gonna talk about this We actually have like 15 tips. We're gonna condense it to about 10.
0: We're going yeah, there's, to there's, you know? There's, just, there's some overlap. There's some overlap yeah. there, which is, which is a good thing. Um, yeah. So why don't we go ahead and start? Uh, I think, is there one in particular that you feel like, okay, this is something that I'm going into every draft thinking about?
1: Um, I mean, yeah, the first one I have really is just, it's so important that you do not take too many chances right away. Like, mm. especially early on, plan for floor as much as you can. You can not win a draft, you can lose a draft, right? And if you put yourself in too many situations of risk and risk and risk, then you can go out of the draft and be in a terrible situation out of the gate, right? <laughs> it's it's hard to do this because, I, I, look, I love fantasy baseball and I love rooting for those guys that you just have this glimmer in your eye of, oh, man, he's going to be so wonderful and so great and all this. And I don't want to take the guy I already know. I want it, the mystery box, Right. And you have to just be as conservative as you can, at least in the first half of the draft. It's just it's just so important. Make sure you have players that you know you're going to hold through the year. With every player you draft, ask yourself, is there a scenario where it's May 15th and I don't want to roster this player anymore? Mm-hmm. And the answer is yes. Consider maybe someone else that you don't think that's going to be, especially in the first half. Second half, 12 teamers, you can go ham wild. But we'll talk yeah. about that later.
0: Yeah, that actually harkens back to another point that's on here that I want to even jump back towards. And it's kind of ironic yeah. that we're jumping back towards it because it's create a plan. <laughs> one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right, yes. Create a plan. Right sure, and, and put yourself in a position where you know you know who those guys are, right? the guys that who have you know had that glimmer in your eye. and you know, like I, I, I had a weird reckoning this year um, where the past couple of years I've done something where there are those guys that I get really excited about, right, like the Matthew Boyd, the blah, blah blah blah. and I find that I end up drafting a lot of those guys and having them on a lot of teams. and this year I'm actually actively making sure I don't do that. I imagine people listening to this podcast probably have on average like two to four leagues as opposed to just one. Sure. Right. And I think one of the things I'm trying to do, and I think I want to recommend this for other people, too, is like, let each league be the one that you take your shot on those different guys. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, for example, I didn't get Josh Lindblom in my TGFBI, and I really wanted him, but I got him in another league. I didn't get Lance McCullers share in any league. So in TGFBI, I was like, I'm actually going to get a Lance McCullers share right now because this is a guy that I believe in. Spread out that wealth a little bit because if you think about it as this draft isn't just going to Help me win this league. Think about it as like, okay, well, if at the end of the year, I can be competitive in two leagues, then that's great. You know what I mean? And Yeah. So you're playing the game of hedge your bets. Yeah. Hedge your bets a little bit, but also like you don't necessarily hedge your bets and also spread out the love that you have for the guys Uh that you want. You know what I mean? Right. It also is going to free you up a little bit because you don't necessarily have to reach then knowing that like, okay, I might not have to, you know, really reach for this guy, even though I really, really want him and there's other value on the board. And if I don't get him, it's not the end of the world. I'll be able to get him another drafts.
1: Right. Uh, yeah. When create a plan, I, uh, for me, it's, you guys know what the, uh, the draft outline I do mm. and that's going to come out a week from Friday, uh, and that's going to go through every single round and generally in 12 teamers of who I'm looking for in, at every single position. If I'm looking for that position at that time, right? These are essentially, it's a loose guideline of the uh, the draft flow of like, cool around the 11th round. I'm thinking, okay, if I need an outfielder, this is kind of what I'm looking for. If I'm looking mm-hmm. for a second baseman or shortstop, these are the options and so on and so forth. Uh, for example, there are certain positions where I'm not going to be a targeting uh, a position at that time. Yeah. Right. And you have to know that plan, know the draft, know how it's going to flow. And if you have that approach, you can essentially group a lot of guys. So if you're saying like Lance McCullers, you got him in one. Well, it's not just Lance McCullers. There's a whole grouping of guys around Lance McCullers. Cool. If it's like McCullers, then I guess it's Alcantara or it's, I mean, for you, it would be like Greinke or something like that. I don't know exactly how close they are for you. Mm. Hendricks, I think is right next to McCullers.
0: Yeah, we're on there.
1: And yours. I'm trying to remember your top one. I, I have enough trouble remembering mine fast. Uh, yeah. But uh, but have that plan. Uh, that That's that's very, very, very important.
0: And if you're going to have that plan, this brings us to our next point too. You can't have that plan unless you know your league. You know, every Before every league that I draft in, especially when you're, you know, this is a crazy season. Some people right now are doing their home leagues. Maybe they're doing the guillotine league while they're doing the TGFBI, while they're doing the Raz Slam. You need to know the ins and outs of that format, right? It's why I always suggest for people who have legitimate home leagues, make a constitution and refresh yourself on it before you go into the draft and know what are you going to do? How are you going to best prepare for this draft? What are pitchers like in this draft? Do you actually need to overspend on saves in this draft? Uh, Yeah, I think that's just like, that's such a, and it sounds like almost rudimentary, like, yeah, of course I know my format, but it's, it's more than knowing your format. It means knowing... What your format means for your projections, right?
1: Definitely, definitely. Uh, it's funny you sidetracked me because you said make a constitution, and all I'm expecting after that is check for everyone who is a D and D nerd like me. But I, uh, but no, you. Ha- it's also like study your league in the draft. You know, mm. let's say you're on, you're at the tenth spot, and you're wondering, okay, what do I take now before this, this turn? Well, if you're debating between a catcher and I, make sure you look at team eleven and twelve in the draft and see if they have a catcher. If they do, don't take the catcher. Take him on the turnaround. There's no way they're going to double up on that in the 13th, 14th round. You know, really play with that. If you if you know that, like, you're drafting with me and you're wondering if I'm going to take Marco Gonzalez, you know he is not going to take Marco Gonzalez. Hmm. Try as best as you can to study your opponents, know what positions they have available or not, and that can actually help you get the team that you want along the way. It helps a lot, especially like if you're playing with Baffle Crazy, you know he's going to take a second starter. Mm -hmm. Go and do that, right? It's it's easier than you think to actually get a sense of who your league mates are going to go for and you can definitely
0: work that in your favor. Well, here's a great way that you can do that, that I actually just realized. And I'm actually happy you brought it up because one of, one of the articles that Ariel Cohen wrote uh, after he won either Tout or Labor a couple of years ago was like, figure out who's going to draft two, right? And sometimes you are going to be in those high profile leagues or you're going to be in TGFBI with high profile people and it'll be easy to do that. Sometimes you're not going to be. You're going to be in an NFBC league and you don't really know the people, but a majority of these people have twitter feeds and those twitter feeds are either filled with the people that they are interested in drafting or they are filled with likes of the tweets about people that they are interested in drafting or retweets about the people that they are interested in drafting so if you really want to go crazy you can go down that social media rabbit hole and find out who values you i I actually made this error today so i'm in a raslam league with smata who makes you know uh, like the best spreadsheet ever. Like it's right, just the right. best spreadsheet ever. And he had a tweet um, uh, earlier today, or maybe it was yesterday, saying like, "Here are the guys. I'm like, you know, I, I, I'm I'm all in on right." And I felt bad because I copy and pasted it in the Raz Slam DM that we have because then I was like, oh, actually, you're, Alex, you shouldn't do that. That's a really jerk move because then everyone knows just to target those people. But what I'm saying is like, if you go through my feed or Nick's feed, it's not really a secret who we're interested in. Right. And, and, and that's kind of true across the board. Actually it's all a ruse fact. <laughs> yeah, your favorites are with all of you. Your favorites are Marco Gonzalez. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle Hendricks.
1: Oh man. I mean, you know, scab. everyone has always said this. This isn't one of our draft tips, but you know, never be fully out on someone. Mm. Um just because just because we're not necessarily going for them if they're the last ones of like a certain tier or so, I'm still going to go for them, you know. Like I'm going to draft Marco Gonzalez over Anthony Descofani for example, right? Like yeah. it's not I, uh, everyone has a price. It's just, I'm, I'm expecting a certain flow that I'm not going to be on. Um, but other, other things, I mean, you talk about projections and mm-hmm. how I feel about them personally are that projections are more like guidelines, you know, like, uh, like yeah. the parlay. Uh, they're not profits. You know, they aren't saying that, oh yeah, at the end of the year, this guy is going to have this yeah. and this guy is going to have this. They're just trying to nudge you in the right direction. And if you treat projections that way that instead of you're know, comparing two guys and saying, oh no, I'm gonna get two more RBI from this guy, like they don't know. Uh, it, it's you might find other reasons why you want the other one because, hey, that guy actually, once you think about it, like, oh, actually has a higher ceiling and I actually need more of a ceiling than I do, you know, this floor in the, you know 18th round of this draft. They projections are best used to ensure that you're not falling behind in something. Hmm. You can see like, oh, wait, I need more stolen bases or so because if I look at my projections, of my team, I'm I'm probably going to be like 10th right now and I need to get to like sixth. So then they help you say, OK, fine, I'll take that middle infielder like Gene Segura that I meant to bid on. and I was clicking on it entirety of labor and it didn't go through. It's fine. I wanted Gene Segura as my middle infielder with Alex. It's OK. It's all right. We got a great team fast. Sure. Wonderful. Sure. Sure. <laughs> we do. Oh, my God. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, like use projections not as a gospel, but more as just
0: helping you get a sense of it and, and make sure you don't lose your way. Yeah, definitely. It, 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 I'm actually going to be a bit hypocritical to that, but let me finish the point first and yes. then you'll see why I'm being hypocritical about it. At the beginning, uh, and this kind of gets into what you just said and then a, another role that I think is important. At the beginning, I think it's okay as you are making them To be as obsessive about them as you want. Get into the nitty gritty about them, but know, as you said, after you're done obsessing over them, that there is a certain malleability to them. You can spend as long as you want on making your projections. And I think that's great. The way that I did it was combining Bat X and ATC projections, because I think that those are really accurate, bringing in Razzball playing time projections. And I got really, really obsessive about them because then I got to a point where I was able to say, okay, I've established the baseline for each of these projections now I can get a little bit looser with them. You know what I mean? Now that I'm really, really sure about where I think they're going to be, I can say, okay, it's all right if I add two or three more stolen bases or five or six more home runs or subtract a few here and there because I'm at that foundational thing. And I think that's really important. But that brings me to my next point, which I think is for me really important. I don't think it's something that you rely on as much, but you're also much busier than me. I am obsessive about draft softwares. I think mm. if you can take your projections, and and the one that I use personally is called Rotolab. If you can get Rotolab and put your own personal projections in there, it's really, really important. And the reason that I obsess over it so much is because we are looking at so many numbers. We're looking at so many statistics, and we're quantifying guys. or We're putting them in buckets by like, okay, here's my stolen base guy. Here's my power guy. Here's my average guy. Here's my OBP guy. Here's my saves guy. Here's my ERA, my whip guy. You cannot keep track of all of these. So if you put in your projections as accurately as possible, like you can into Rotolab, it's going to ease up so much of the stuff in your mind, right? Because it's going to say, hey, you put in all these projections, you set up the values the way that you want it to set up. As a result... This is the guy that you can target if you're looking for stolen bases. You're actually falling a little bit behind in RBIs. Here are six guys that you can target in RB, you know, for RBI. Sure. Let we have all of this software. Let it do the work for you. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. It, it, it's gonna it, it's gonna be smarter. This is a, I had a reckoning about this this year. Like when I was trying to do my own projections, I was like, Derek Carter, Derek Carney and Ariel Cohen are smarter than me like there's 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 projection systems (laughs) are smarter than me you know what i mean like they they know more than i know so get over it you know i'm not i'm not saying hey they're the end all be all but they're pretty fine baselines to operate from i am very vigilant about getting those into a draft software and then letting that be my guide throughout the draft
1: sure have you guys noticed also uh fast did not mention nick's reluctant 2021 projections
0: which were also in there (laughs) <laughs> which were also they, they were they were in there yes yes they were in there as well they were in there as well but um, that was the, that was the thing too every between you rasball Derek and Ariel. i mean RL obviously was was kind of the closest to all because that's that's how he that's right, how yeah. atc works but like no one knows what's happening with playing time this year no one well, knows exactly. what's happening with innings yeah
1: right and that's why as you said they are like they're, they're your guide and they're not profits mm-hmm. uh so i'm um, moving on to the next one i'm gonna say this is something i say a ton and I, I was thinking about it with PitchCon, what my presentation would be. I even, I even, you know, I, I may have even hinted on this uh, that it was the biggest myth in fantasy baseball, right? And that is that you're drafting a best ball league mm-hmm. and you're mm-hmm. not. You are not drafting a best ball league. And there's many different points to this that we'll touch upon in this. But the first one I really want to harp on is know yourself as a manager and an in season manager at that. Are you willing? To look at a projection and say, okay, I'm getting a 3.9 ERA and a 121 whip and a 23% K rate this year across 180 innings. And all of a sudden it's June 1st and he has a 4.7 ERA and a 128 whip. And are you going to stick with that guy because the projection said it?
0: Like, you sound like a, you sound like a like like the leader of like a military troop like, like right. are you going to let those looks and those projections look you in the eye and are you going to let those projections tell
1: you that the- I'm just trying to be like come on you're not going to like everyone yeah. knows this we joke about it a lot as analysts but it's so true i uh, two weeks in the season we throw all this stuff away yeah. you know and it it just becomes what's going on right now what have you done for me lately a lot and it's it the hardest thing as a manager is making that decision. You know, I I struggle with this every year, and I get tons of hateful tweets because of it. Because I'm getting the questions like it's April twenty first, and how do we feel about this guy or that guy? And I like we I don't know either. Yeah, you know, like no can know how the next five months will go. And the the safe thing to say is like we have to kind of believe how we thought for six months before it. But a lot of times, no, they've clearly shown something different, and you have to adjust. And you're the team that you draft is not going to be the team you have in September. So yeah. know yourself as a manager. Are you going to make these swaps? Are you going to be churning in your daily league? Are you going to be checking once a day? Are you willing to stream? Are you willing to do... Are you better as a as a pitching guy or as a hitting guy? Know what your strengths and weaknesses are. Know yourself through the season and draft accordingly. Get the guys that... like. If it's an, I'm going to take a lottery ticket guy, know that if it's not working out, you know that you're going to switch it quickly for something mm. else and know where to look. If you're not going to do that, then don't take a lottery ticket guy. Take something more conservative. Draft a Toby. You know, it, it, draft something a little bit more boring because you don't want to put in that time. That's okay. Just know yourself and plan
0: ahead. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And and I think to to bring in another point, too, based off what you're saying about, like, you know, we're going to throw this all away pretty soon. I and I'm willing to hear a counter argument from I, I don't think you I think you're going to agree with me, but I'm willing to hear counter arguments from other people. I don't believe in punting any category.
1: I'm um, so with you.
0: I like to me all I'm trying to do when I like if there's one thing that I hope people walk away from this about me when it comes to drafts, I am looking for balance. That's all I'm looking for, right? Thanos over here, yeah. Looking for yeah, exactly. Looking for Thanos. I guess the way that I I'm trying to find the best like metaphor or like analogy for it is, but like I want like an even surface across the board. You know what I mean? I want to be like I don't want to be really high in average, but like okay in stolen bases and pretty low in RBI, but really high in home run i want even throughout right because as you always harp on right your leagues are going to be essentially one on the waiver wire right that's how you're gonna that's how you're gonna win your league right unless you're in a best ball the team that you draft is not going to look like the team that you end the year with there's obviously going to be your one through six round picks barring injury right but if you are going into the season and you're like okay i just need to get stolen bases off the waiver wire you're not going to be fine And I I fully realize that I am the guy who says you can wait on saves. And like, obviously, that sounds hypocritical because I'm always like, you're going to be able to get saves on the waiver wire. Right. But that doesn't mean you can completely punt saves. I always say, get a guy early, get a guy in the last round or two, because then Sure. Are you going to be first or second place and your draft software according to you for saves? No. Are you going to be in the bottom four or five? Not as no, you're not. But you're going to be balanced. You're going to be ready to attack that waiver wire and put yourself into a position where you can succeed moving forward.
1: I'm thinking of you as a bartender with a rag over your shoulder and then okay. you're cleaning the table and you swipe
0: it across and it's just smooth. Oh, very nice. That's that's nice. That's kind of nice.
1: That's your I, balance.
0: I don't know what I was thinking. My my weird ass brain was thinking of 10 different planks on the water and some planks being really, really high and some planks being really, really low. And I just want that. that. And, you know, those planks comprise that bar that needs to be wiped down. (laughs) Okay. To, to mix the metaphors here. I'm
1: just I'm just imagining that your booty has a brain right now. But, my booty uh, my what? your booty has a oh, brain. My booty has a Oh, yeah 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 your weird booty brain. Um, okay. <laughs> so uh, move moving on from that one and, and kind of with the same uh, thing we're going through with before, I the biggest myth is that it's a best ball draft which means that you can quote Miss Frizzle, Take chances, make mistakes, and get messy, okay? In your second half of your draft, recognize that this team is not going to be held through the year. Look back at your previous drafts that you've had in all your fantasy baseball leagues and tell me what percentage of the guys you drafted from the 14th round on that you actually kept in your standard leagues. Hmm. It'll be shockingly low, Shockingly low how few of them actually survive through September. And I'll even say through August, because maybe September, the final weeks, you you know, you dropped them because they weren't going again or something like that. It's really, really low. So you have to plan for this. Take the right picks so that you are you're ready to get rid of them. But, you know, you're not signing off for ages. So I hear a lot of guys say, like, oh, I want this lottery ticket. I think he's going to do really well. And something I've been harping on is, like, well, you're not going to start him for a bit. You're not going to start him for, like, three to four weeks or starts because he has a terrible schedule. Like, I don't want that. You know, it's kind of wild. It's like, say, oh, yeah, I want Alizalei. I don't even think Alizalei is going to be in the rotation. And mm. I'm going to be dropping Kopeck down my list because Rodon signed. And I'm just like, yeah i'm not I'm not gonna do this because Kopek isn't gonna be starting with the team in the season. And I should have kind of thought that he wasn't gonna get a rotation spot anyway, but I kept him there because I'm stupid. and you'll see Kopeck fall way down. We'll see where Co- where AJ Puck is, as you mentioned too, for the same reason. but you gotta you gotta take some chances, make mistakes. We're all gonna make terrible draft picks. You know, I think even Alex Chamberlain, as we quote like once every other podcast, had a recent tweet saying, he came in fifteenth overall of Raz Slam after all of these mistakes last year. He drafted Justin Verlander in the second round, mm. you know, and, and many other things. But he came in fifteenth place. Like you are going to make terrible picks that you'll cringe at later. It's fine, you know. Get ready to embrace that. It's going to happen, and plan yourself for a season where you can recover from that.
0: Yeah, it fits into the mold of what we've been talking about, right? Like just just take the pressure off from this actual draft because a majority of the work's actually going to be done in season anyway. Yes. And I know it feels funky to say that because you do so much draft prep work, but like at the end of the day, trust that you've done the work and now you can actually have fun with the draft and build your team.
1: Yeah, it goes to what we were saying before with like with Lance McCullers. There's a group of like 15 guys or so. And like every stage of when I'm getting a starting pitcher. It's very rarely like if I don't get this guy, I'm screwed. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's it, especially, oh man, especially past like the 35th starting pitcher. There is a swath of 40 of them or something like that. It's remarkable to me.
0: Well, I I will say that they're actually I do have a little bit of pushback there because I think that I, I agree with you on starting pitcher for sure. I don't think there's any one hundred percent must have, but for a category like stolen bases, there is right. Sure, yes. uh, and I I bring that up because that just happened to me uh, in in TGFBI, which mm-hmm. brings me to my next point, which is throw ADP out the window. Get okay. out of here! Yeah, get out, leave. Don't watch here. Get Jeez, out, every, leave. Everyone's right fancy
1: f- fancy word. Hmm. You know, defenestrate, right? Everyone, everyone loves what? that as their weird word. You don't know that one? No, what is that? That's a, to throw out the window, like fenest- fenestra, or is uh French for window. Netful. Oh, interesting. So uh, defenestrate.
0: I have it's like, never it's heard, like, heard that.
1: But that's the word that like everyone's like, oh yes, I know a fun word, and it's defenestrate. I'm like, oh well, yeah, everyone.
0: Yeah, it's like everyone's... I guess we know the name of this podcast. Yeah. Defenestrate. <laughs> De- no, <laughs> De- <it's not. laughs> We're not going to do that. Defenestrate <laughs> <laughs> uh, so ADP. To tie all that together, I, I was saying to myself, don't rely on... like The way that I used to do it was like, i look at ADP like anyone else. Like, okay, where, where can I theoretically... Can I wait on this guy a little bit? Can I do this? Can I do that? If you have projections, if you're building a balanced team and this is the right pick for you at this moment, go out and get it. And I was in a position where... Where I didn't really need pitching Ryan Yarborough was still available and it was really really late so I was like yeah you know what I'll take Ryan Yarborough that's not going to hurt me because I need stolen bases but everyone ahead of me has a bunch of outfielders you know Victor Reyes isn't going to be that good I've got the average or I'm going to be able to take Victor Reyes and he's going to help me bam he's going to bring back my stolen bases and then at the end of the round he was gone because i was looking at adp and determined okay he's probably going to be there or you know i'm sure i'm sure that people are like i don't want to be the person who sets the the pick on on this player you know what i mean i don't i don't want right, to do right. that throw it Out the window if it fits your team if you have done your projections if you know what you're going for if you're building a balanced team and if it's the right pick i do not care if it's 300 picks ahead of where it should be that's not going to be the case but you're okay to take that pick
1: absolutely uh team construction right that's what everybody says it's not about the adp it's about how your team is constructed um another here is i have written down start ahead stay ahead and it goes back to that same thing I've been I've been saying about plan the Back half of your draft for the first Not even like two months I'm talking like the first two weeks mm. The first two weeks of the season How many times have you done this? Literally I, I know I have <laughs> is where I made I've had a draft And then I swap out like my last three Picks for guys on the wire yeah You know before the season even Starts yeah 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 Everyone has done this <laughs> How many times have you done this? Seriously, think about this. Every every single year. I mean, I even did it once. (laughs) I think it was before Aaron Judge's rookie year when I had drafted Judge. And I was like, ah, I need this other guy. And I dropped Judge the day before opening day. But that's Mm. not the point of this. (laughs) Brutal. The point is, I've been harping it a lot. Uh, Alec Mills and Zach Davies are flying up my draft boards because, yes, I'm starting them for both of the first two starts against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Mm. And... That goes against, like, as even though you're saying Kukuchi is throwing 96, which is very exciting, I don't know if I want to start him with his tough schedule early on, and it, it's it's a question of I, I would rather take the chance and be conservative and be ahead early on, because I guarantee you, and I I will put out this article too, is I will show you how many players helped your starting rotation in 2019 that were drafted after pick 300. Essentially, in your 12-team, which was to go to pick 276. These were undrafted, and they're not even including those that were dropped at certain points in the season that mm-hmm. were drafted inside your normal draft. I mean, the the list is over 30 pitchers. And it's like Giolito and Lance Lane and Mike Soroka and Brandon Woodruff. And, and it's, like, it's unbelievable mm-hmm. how many amazing guys there are. You have to say... Cool, that's gonna. I'm gonna have something there. No, you're not gonna get all 30, you're gonna get like two or three, and that's great. So, the other picks in your draft, like especially your starters, just acknowledge. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find something else. Just get something that you know is something you want to start out of the gate. And that does also apply to hitters. Like I purposefully go through my draft hesitating to draft my third and final outfielder because that's a, the position you are going to easily fill, especially in a 12-teamer, through mm. the year. When it comes to like your bench bats and your utility spots, most of the time that is going to be an outfielder. So I don't go aggressive on outfielders for that reason. And I'm I'm happy to say, you know what, in the beginning, all right, I'll go with, I don't know, some random outfielder that I can't think of right now. And instead, and just to kind of see how that goes for the first week, just for the first week, who cares? Mm. I mean, it's just got to think in this way of, right, get the foundations I know that I'm going to hold through the year and then start ahead and stay ahead.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, who are your fence posts? You know what I mean? Who who are those guys, right? That's what you should be kind of focusing on as you're doing your draft prep. Like if you, especially once you know your slot, right? If you sure. know that you're going to be five, like, to me, the best place to draft this year, if you're doing like uh, the, the Kentucky Derby, whatever, where you can pick where you are. What is that called? KDS, right? Yes. KDS. Uh, if you're doing KDS, like I'm going six, seven a lot. You know what I mean? Mm. Because one through five is still like, I don't care if I get, Acuna or Trout or Tatis or Soto or whatever. Like I'm totally fine just getting whatever falls to me, and then as the turn comes back around, you know, getting closer. Like I did that in TGFB and I was super happy. Um, so I think that's you know, the, uh, know those fence posts, know who those guys are going to be. Um, now you have another interesting one that I actually want to throw back to you for, and that is when in doubt, draft a closer.
1: Yes, this is a, so. This is an old adage uh, of a friend of mine. Um, this is back when we were doing ten teamers, but still uh, I it, it it really harpens on a point. I keep saying this word, but uh, closers are a value. They mm. are like, especially in a shallower league, they are a currency. If you have a closer, you can tack on a closer to any other player and get a small upgrade at that player mm. right So in your draft, if you don't feel comfortable, with anything around you that you feel like ah, I don't really like these things, I don't feel like I trust them. Just get a closer. You've yeah. gained, you've gained something. You've it's like you have a closer. You know you are gonna have to get saves at some point. You have it. There you go. There is value for your team in a closer, right? So that that's that's just kind of a backup thought I always have. So I think like normally around the 12th, 13th rounds, I just look at the pool and just go, nothing here is really grabbing at me that I like. All right, I'll get a closer, and I just get the best closer I see,
0: yeah, yeah, you know it's so do you uh it's a weird
1: it's a weird adage, it's more of uh, I think it's more towards recognize your point at which like it's not necessarily about a closer, it's more about what is giving me value that I know I'm going to have through the year, mm right yeah. and closers are often the ones that when you're in this confusing area they're the ones that are more tangible especially early on in the season
0: yeah I th- i'm just thinking about uh, I'm, not, I'm not i don't want to i'm not trying yeah, to contradict what you're saying i'm just thinking about like you can contradict it yeah this year's just crazier than ever you know sure. what i mean and and in my mind like if, if it's not one of those top guys like unless it's a dude who's really really gonna help your ratios You know, like like for example, I just took Diego Castillo and TGFBI because I do think he's actually going to get a good amount of saves because I think Nick Anderson is going to be the fireman. But to me, it was also like he's he's going to have good ratios as well. He's going to have a pretty low ERA and he's going to have a pretty sustainable whip with a pretty high K rate. Um, I just don't know. This is just me ambling about. I just don't know what to do at closer this year. Like it's just such a it's such a minefield. Like I guess theoretically you know, spend on like, who are the guys that are sure things, quote unquote, Hendricks. You can't even necessarily say that about Hayter, uh, that at being a 100% sure thing, because it really wouldn't surprise me if at the end of the year, him and Devin Williams, like we're just split in terms of right. saves, right? right? So you have Chapman. I think I, to me, I think Kenley Jansen is a guy that I draft a lot because yep. he's in an interesting situation where he's not the best pitcher in that bullpen. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. They have so many good pitchers. But as a result, all of those good pitchers are going to go before Kenley Jansen. And then he's going to be the one who's getting those save opportunities. It wouldn't surprise me if James Karinchak wasn't the guy who ended the year with the most saves. If it was Emmanuel Classé or like Nick Whitgrin steals five or ten of them. It's just such a terrifying thing. You want to know the best part, though? Is that for most of these
1: closers, they have value until you know they don't. What do you mean? So let's say you're saying that you draft a guy, uh, it's Karen Chack, right? Mm-hmm. And you don't know if he's actually going to be the closer through the year. You will know if he doesn't have the closer job anymore. Mm-hmm. And then you can move on to something else. Right? There's, there, there are going to be a lot of draft picks you have where you are in this purgatory for a long time. About like, is this worth it? I don't know. And the good thing about closers is that when you draft them, they have capital at that moment. They have a value. They have something great. I have that. There's a chance that it doesn't later on, but for as long as we, it's announced, they are a closer. They have that value.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, but then also, if you're relying on that, I mean, if if you're saying okay, they have this value at that moment, but it's in the tenth round, and then a month into the oh, season, yeah.
1: I don't, I don't feel that I'll be in doubt in the tenth round. Okay, right. When in doubt, when it's like a moment and it's when doubt is defined by me as if I don't feel comfortable taking the picks available, that I don't feel that I am going to get consistent value at this position or production, that this is going to think of it like if I'm if I were to choose someone else, if I wasn't confident that they'd still be on my team in two months, take a closer. Okay. Okay.
0: Yeah, that, that brings us to the, the final point, And then I have some questions that I want to do about this draft season. But I think it's such an important one. You know, once you've done the work, and I, I bet a majority of these, the people who are listening are like us, and they're so excited for baseball to come back that they're doing the work. Once you've done the work, you know, it's the night before the draft, the night before Christmas, everyone's all very excited. <laughs> trust your gut. Yes. Just trust, trust your it. gut you got it you know you did the work don't don't let one second of doubt in a draft counteract the hours of work that you did before it
1: absolutely and look all of us uh at pitcherless and all the other places we are trying our best in the end you know yourself and you know what's best for you in the end you know trust yeah trust your gut just go with it and that's it, it, honestly you will feel better that you trusted your gut than and it not doing well than if you listened to someone else and it didn't do well. Mm. Every single time. Trust your gut. You've been playing this game for a while. And if you need more help and you don't want to trust your gut, fine. Well, we got you. Yeah. <laughs> but that you know, it's fancy baseball, right? This is a game. This is about having fun. Trust your gut. If you feel like someone's gonna break out, there's no better feeling in this than you know what? I feel like I'm telling you, Fast, this is the year. This is the year that Dean Kramer is gonna is gonna break out, right? Mm-hmm. And he does. That is the best. But you know, some other guy. I was even looking back at my previous list, and like everyone forgot other picks that I'd made that were, did not pan out. Yeah, you know, those feel bad, but that's not the fun. Yeah. like that that doesn't feel as bad as it feels good to to trust your gut and it pans out, right? Oh, so, God, so trust there's your no gut better guys. feeling. Trust your gut. No, I'm just saying like the weights of each, you know, it's not the negative is a lower net than
0: the uh, than the positive high. Right. Okay, sure. So what are your you know, what's your absolute values? What's what's your if we're in a courtroom? (laughs) Yeah, seriously, you're really throwing a lot of math terms (laughs) and big words. This podcast. Um, What's your takeaway? What's your big, you know, what's your your TLDR? What's your insummation on this podcast about drafting?
1: Have fun. All right. Boo. <laughs> yes. No, I'm serious. Like, take chances. It's all right. You're going to not make it. You know, no one really ever has a perfect draft. I, uh, you know, obviously do your homework. There are things that you can do. You can plan it out. You can realize, right, not a best ball. I'm going to be doing this. I'm going to be doing that. You can make those adjustments in the season. Uh, play conservatively in the first half. Take risks in the second half. Uh, and, and plan for early. Uh, early success, while also early changes. Mm. That those are my biggest, biggest overall tips.
0: Yeah, I'm with you on that. for For those who are, you know, very uh, anxious and and over prepare. There are softwares that will help you immensely. I cannot yes. recommend Rotolab enough. You do not need to carry this burden alone by yourself. You don't need to be making you know, a billion notes uh, in a note app about, okay, this guy's a sleeper and that guy. Uh, like The best part about this software, if there's someone I think is a sleeper, I hit the number nine and they're in bold and that's it. And then I can go about my day, you <laughs> So just take all the preparation that you're doing and put it into a draft software. It will help everything and balance, 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 balance. Get yourself to a, don't worry about winning the draft. Okay. Nobody cares who won the draft. They might at the end of the day, but guess what? No one at the end of the year when they're handing out trophies is saying, man, remember that guy really, he won the draft. You know, like no one cares about that. Get that balance team. Put your, don't worry about winning. Worry about getting yourself to a position where you can succeed from the waiver wire. That's what you where you really want to be at, in my mind. So one, one quick question I have for you: What is the most difficult category to draft? Saves, saves. Oh yeah, easily. Yeah,
1: you know yeah. I mean you, you say it best. Like you gotta, you have to prepare for you know for the season ahead, and I don't like overspending on it. Yeah, you can get kind of cute and get like, all right, cool. I'm going to get two in rounds eight and nine or so and be done. But then you don't even know that, you know, the whole night 2019 of Trinan and Edwin Diaz just wrecked us. So I, uh, I believe that was 2000. Maybe actually it was last year. No, uh,
0: oh, oh my god, yeah,
1: yeah. I think might have even been last year. I uh, so
0: it, no, it was two years ago. I think you're right. You're okay, right. you yeah. never know. You never yeah. know with these things. I think for me, it's it's stolen bases with the caveat that like if you mess it up you're done
1: <laughs> like you know well, what i mean yeah it is really like you know if you draft acuna or t- trey turner and all of a sudden they just get hurt or something it's just what how how am i supposed to do anything now
0: oh totally or if you yeah. or, or if you like oh i'll wait one more round to get this guy away one more round to get this guy then you're not going to get him and you're not like there's no 20s there are a few 20 save t- excuse me 20 uh stolen base guys on the wire right, right? you're just you know, you're not getting that
1: Man, look at these two really tough categories. Ugh, I wish we could have a league where we have none of them.
0: Yeah, and there is one day, one day, uh, one day we'll make
1: that. Uh, uh, yeah, and points leagues. Points leagues is the answer to that.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it is. So what? What? What do you? That brings me to my last question. Then before we wrap up here, what is your ideal league? I believe we've talked about this in the past. Oh
1: man, I was actually crafting it. I, I, I had a plan entering uh, last year. That I uh, like this time last year that I was going to craft like my favorite fantasy league mm-hmm. um, and I think it uh, had innings pitched uh with a uh, uh I, I don't remember it was essentially like it turned into like auto essentially like it, it's pretty great what auto does um but yeah, no saves no steals, uh without a doubt, I do enjoy categories based though as opposed to straight points, but I yeah. think you can do some good evenings. I, I really like leagues that enforce innings as a category mm. because essentially, look, yeah, should be no surprise. I want to be incentivized to throw more pitchers that have effective starts. Sure. Right. And I don't want to worry about stolen bases for the love of Pete. Yeah. I don't want to do it. So yeah. I don't there, blame you. Yeah. But I mean, I would say 12 teamers are the nice balance. Uh, I have been warming up a little more to the 15-teamer, 15, 15 but I'm still a 12-teamer boy. Just a deeper one. Five outfielder, middle infield, corner infield, that's fine with me.
0: Yeah, I can get behind that. I think I I love a good save hold because I think it just mm-hmm. uh, takes the pressure off and it opens up things a little bit more. Yeah. Um, Solds. Yes. The solds love that. Uh, I do like what tout did with the saves hold innings pitched in OBP. I think that's really, really, really nice. Um, I love a good points league. I think there is nothing more difficult than getting the points right in a points league. Like it's just an impossible task, and to be honest, I don't think it can actually be done correctly. Huh. Like to find the right balance of yeah, how many points is a win? How many points is a quality start? How many points right. is an earn run? Like it, it there, there. If you have found the perfect balance, like please send it my way because
1: um, all you do is actually uh, you get rid of all of those things because those aren't don't matter. Uh, mm-hmm. I, think, I don't know. It essentially tries to make FIP for pitchers as their points.
0: Yeah, I think that's, that's cool. Really interesting. Yeah. That is, that is pretty cool. I dig that. Uh, but yeah, I, I think th- those, are, those are my ideal. But yeah, I mean, I hope that that podcast was helpful. I mean, even talking about it, I didn't realize how, how much pent up stuff I had to talk about all the graphs that, that, that we'd been doing. But I hope that was helpful for you guys. Obviously, if you have questions, you can reach out to us on Twitter at PitcherList or at AlexFast8. Or if you're a PL Plus member, you know you can talk to us anytime. Or if you're not, what are you waiting for, you dingus? You can ask us mm. these questions whenever you want. We don't sleep. We plug into a machine and we keep our eyes open all night. Um, know, so fast, fast
1: avoids us, but you, know, you can hang out with me and the rest
0: of us. Yeah, uh, that's true. i Questions and stuff, yeah. I answer every DM and every question, but I'm not Absolutely. Yeah, you yeah, know. yeah.
1: But yeah. yeah, we will we will actually be doing some fun stuff with the Discord this year. We'll actually have some watch parties, all that kind of stuff as well. I uh, but in uh, Plaid is just the best place to be Monday through Thursday night. It's 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 wild. Pitch us after it's dark at 9 p.m. and our voice chat on Discord. It's amazing.
0: I've got a nice pool outside. It's a mid sixty degrees. Got a beer waiting for me. That's a pretty nice place to be. I'm not gonna lie. Wow. Uh, Thanks I'm, once
1: again. Fast is shunning <laughs> all of us.
0: <laughs> Oh, God. All right. That is going to do it, though, for episode number 248 of On the Corner, the official Pitchless.com podcast. I'm your host, Alex Fast. And I'm Nick Pollock, And we'll talk to you guys later this week.